This is our box. Everyone has one. A box that you keep stored away that no one else sees. You don't share the contents. Memories of the past that haunt you, that you carry around with you. Wounds of hurts from long ago. Things we don't want anyone to know. Our most private failures. Our most private sins. Those hurts of a past that we would like to forget but can't. Things other people have done to us but the wounds are so deep we we can't let go. A father who never had time for us. A mother who was abusive. A sibling or other family member who did unspeakable things. A relationship that turned out to be less than loving. Where's the hope? Where's the hope for the wound that never heals? And in that wound, we allow to begin to define who we are. That we define ourselves by the wound, that we see the wound, and and maybe only we can see it, but we begin to think that we are the wound. That the wound is, is the best descriptor of who we are. And that it was all our fault. We never seem to get past the words that were said to us, the, the love that we so desperately wanted but never received, and now we think we are unlovable. The relationship that took away our innocence, and now we think, well, we're worthless. Or we have craved love so much from a father or mother that we find ourselves now moving from relationship to relationship, beginning to think we will never find it. These last three weeks, we've been looking at those words of Peter in his letter where he said, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We started this series by looking at what hope there was for the future, that heaven is a real place, which means that hell too is a real place. And the only only way to heaven, the only hope we have for heaven is through Jesus Christ Faith in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and in the certainty that he is coming again. Last week we discovered that there is reason to hope for today. There's reason to hope in the present. That as the Holy Spirit makes it possible to know God, we have eternal life. And as the Holy Spirit enables us to change, gives us the power to to change, and we live the transformed life. And that is, he gives us the power to overcome. We experience the victorious life all through the work of the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, in comparison to today's hope, those were easy. This morning, we're going to open your box. And by the end of this morning, find that we even have reason to hope in what's in the box. What does God want to do with our boxes? What does he want to do with all of the junk that we have been storing in there? What does he want to do with the wound that never heals? 
Here's the hope. He wants to redeem it. God wants to buy it back. He wants to take that wound and he wants to make it worth something. And if he can give us hope for a future and if he can give us hope for the present, then by golly, he can give us hope in the past and he can redeem that wound and he can heal it. Whatever it is. He can make it useful in some way. We live in a fallen world and sometimes the fallenness overwhelms us. Our own sin. The sinfulness of others. Scriptures are full of people who are overwhelmed with the fallenness around them. We, we can read in Mark chapter 9 about a boy that was tormented by an evil spirit since childhood. And his father brought him to Jesus because he saw that Jesus was the only hope for getting rid of what had happened to this kid in the past, his son whom he dearly loved. And he brought him to Jesus, and right there before Jesus, the evil spirit grabbed a hold of him and threw him to the ground. And by just the words of Jesus, the past was redeemed. The wound was healed. And the boy was restored to be able to truly live. He had never lived up to this point. Mark chapter 5 talks about a woman that was subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all of her savings to, on the doctors to try to find a remedy, to try to find a cure, and nothing worked. She had been to countless doctors over and over and over. Nothing would, would heal her. And she went through life uh, in those days. That, that problem that she had, the, the continuous bleeding, made her unclean. She was unfit to worship. She was unfit for society. She would be ridiculed. She would be looked at as something, what, what horrible thing did you do that caused that? And she heard that Jesus was coming. And she fought her way through the crowd and she said, if I only just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And she walked, pushed her way through the crowd, which was not right for her to do. She, she would not have been allowed to do that, to touch anyone else, because anyone she touched would have been declared unclean. But she went through, and just as he passed, reached out and grabbed the, the end of his robe, the end of his garment. And Jesus immediately felt something leave him. It was the power to heal. And that one touch from Jesus changed everything. That one touch transformed her life, healed the wound, healed the past, healed the infirmity, the sickness, restored her to where she could now go and live the way God had designed her to live. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. This woman had bounced from one bad relationship to another. She had been married five times, and the man she was living with now wasn't her husband. She was ridiculed by the other women in town to the point of where she just learned, don't, you know, they had to go to the well every morning to draw out water. She just learned, wait until all the other women leave and then go get your water. It just saves everyone a lot of embarrassment and a lot of problems, a lot of hurt. And it just so happened that the time she went to the well, Jesus was there. And Jesus talked to her about 
her life and about his, his life and what he could give for her, what he could do for her. And she accepted it wholeheartedly and suddenly her past was redeemed. That the wound was healed. And that she went from a scared little girl who wouldn't talk to anyone, who, who avoided all crowds to where she rushed into the city and shouted at the top of her lungs what Jesus had done for her. And the townspeople listened because the wound had been healed. She was a different person. Her past no longer haunted her. Her past no longer trapped her. How do I find hope after what I have done? How do I find hope after what has happened to me, the the wound that will not heal? What must I do? I've got three things that I, I think are helpful, and this is by no stretch of the imagination. If you do one, two, and three, boom, you're good to go. I'm not a Christian counselor. I don't even play one on TV. I don't pretend throughout the week that I'm a counselor. But I think this right here will bring you healing because it's not me. It's not you. It's one touch from Jesus. The first thing we have to do is understand who you are in Christ. You see, your identity is so important to understanding how to to receive healing. That your past does not define who you are. That wound does not define who who you are. What happened to you when you were little or that relationship that went bad or or that sin that you committed does not define who you are. Christ does. The, The hope for the future, the hope for the present day, that defines who you are. The 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 life of Jesus. Remember the verse from last week? Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You're a new creature. You are made new. Now now just forgive your sin. Uh, Not just forgive your sin, but, but your whole person is made new. A brand new creation. Unused, unworn, unwounded. The past does not define you. The future defines you. Jesus Christ defines you. The power of the Holy Spirit defines who you are. Unused, unworn, nothing in the past that hasn't been forgiven or has the potential to be overcome. You are redeemed. And God wants to redeem that wound. He wants to heal that wound. Your identity as a person does not have to be defined by a past sin or a past failure or even a past hurt or abuse that you had no control over. But so often we hold on to it. We hide it. We put it in our box. We stick it in the closet of our mind. And occasionally we go back to it. And we relive the hurt. And we reopen the wound. And we relive the pain. You, however, are a child of God. Your identity is that of Jesus. Share in his suffering and his glory. The woman at the well allowed her her past to define who she was to the town people until she met Jesus and then she was someone new. Those who she once avoided, she now ran to and she shared what Jesus had done. No more the wounded girl of past busted relationships. She was a believer, a daughter of God. 
And that's what defined her from that moment on. Understand who you are in Christ. Your identity as a believer, as a, as a son or daughter of God. Not a victim of the past. Second thing you have to do is forgive. You have to forgive whatever caused the wound. And this may require confronting, if possible. And this is where I'm not a counselor. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do in this situation for whatever's in your box. But I do know forgiveness has to play a part. That Jesus says we must forgive our enemies and pray for them. And and you say, I'm not ready to do that. Okay. It's hard, but it is one of the steps to healing. It is one of the things that we're going to have to do if we want that that wound to heal. In the case of a past sin, we may have to forgive ourselves, and sometimes that's the hardest thing. Jesus has done it. I believe Jesus has done it, but I relive it. The enemy keeps bringing it back to me as, as you're a failure. He's one of the voices in the box at how horrible you are because of what you've done. We may have to forgive ourselves that we are the ones holding back because we've bought the lie that that our sin was too evil to forgive, that our sin was too dark to forgive. It was too bad to forgive, and Jesus says, no, I can forgive it all. We may have to forgive ourselves, or we may have to forgive someone else. And the third thing we have to do, and I think this this is the huge step right here, we have to reckon it so. I love that word. It's a King James Version word. You probably will only find it in the King James. You know, it's the word my dad used when you would say something and he was going to agree with you and he'd say, I reckon. I reckon so. I agree. It's true. And that's what we have to do, that we have to reckon that we are healed. We have to reckon that the wound is, is, is healed, that it is covered, that maybe it's scarred over. But we don't live it anymore. We don't have the pain and the hurt anymore. We're reckoning it healed. Romans chapter 6 is where the word's found. It says, what shall we say then, Paul says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... Through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourselves dead to the past, dead to the wound, dead to the hurt, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. You see, whatever that wound is, God has allowed it to happen. And you might be mad at him for allowing it to happen, and that's okay. He's a big God. He can handle that. 
He can handle you being a little upset, a little frustrated, a little annoyed, very angry at him. But at the same time, he allowed it to happen, but he can work all things together for good and he can redeem that wound and do something incredible with it. If we let it out of the, if we, if we, if we get rid of the box, if we take it out of the box and give it to him, he'll redeem it. Blackaby, Henry Blackaby says, God can use adversity to build certain qualities such as humility, integrity, or faith deep within your character that could not be similarly fashioned through lives of comfort and success. You see, God wants to use that to make you who he wants you to be. And you're saying, how can he do that? I don't know. He's God. He's got a plan. He wants to use it. He can use it. He will use it if you allow him to. If you don't continue to put it in the box and go back and relive it, reckon it healed by the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Acuff, one of my favorite authors, usually he's very funny and sarcastic in what he writes about, but he said this, sometimes God redeems your story by surrounding you with people who need to hear your past so it doesn't become their future. Do you think God would want to heal you so that you have a story to tell? So that you can help other people avoid the hurt and the pain that you went through. That God wants to use you in an incredible, mighty way. Some people say, I wish that it had never happened to me. I wish I had never done that. God says, I wish you would give it to me and let me do something incredible with it now that it's in the past. Can't change the past, but God can heal it. God can change as we move forward. God says, let me heal you. Let me use your pain to reach others. We can't live as a victim of our past. We have new life in Christ. The past doesn't define who we are, but receive the healing touch of God and begin to live. Some of you know my wife. A few of you may have heard her story. I've asked Sarah to come and and share her story of God redeeming a past, a life that is truly lived and defined by grace. 